Hey there, before we get started, I always forget to say this. Would you please go and take a moment and rate and review the podcast, wherever you listen to the podcast. It's super helpful, it helps people find the show, and it also gives me good feedback on how I can be making the show better, or how I can continue to be awesome. That was uncomfortable for me to say. Okay, thanks for doing that. All right, now we'll get started. Here we go. Welcome to Doing the Best We Can with Eddie Koffeltz. We We hope hope you enjoy the show. (laughs) Oh, thank you very much, Eve and Lucy. And thank you for being here today on Doing the Best We Can, a special Friday edition. I got the flu this week and I had almost finished writing. I was about to start recording the podcast. And then all of a sudden things blurred into fever chills and all sorts of grossness. So get your flu shot. Or I guess I got a flu shot. I guess just buy Clorox. So anyway, here we are. Good to see you. Thanks for waiting a day. Uh, I appreciate you coming back to doing the best we can. This is a show um, that I really get to talk about sort of whatever I want. Maybe we've met before. Maybe we haven't. But hopefully I am sharing things along the way that that maybe are meaningful for you. Give us something to think about together. This week uh, is going to be one of those weeks I've uh, been thinking a lot about the topic that we're sharing today. You should also know that the show is very much live. This is a one-take show, and uh, and so I do. I finish writing the, my main thoughts, and I hit record, and here we are. And I hope that the live aspect and my little stammers and my little ums and my little hiccups while I'm reading uh, don't detract, but help make this a more authentic experience for both of us. So with no further ado... Here is the main topic for this week. Issue 24. Meeting Mother. Oh no, I just realized it sounds like an Arrested Development title. Ah, well. Here we go. As of late, our family has been spending Sundays at a local Catholic church. And while the preceding sentence is fraught with my own big thoughts on church, this little parish is the most lovely church setting I've ever been in. It is authentically diverse. The sermons are tidy and without ego. There are no stage lights or paid musicians. And you can't go more than 15 minutes without a direct appeal to care for people in the community. So for now, this is home. But also... It's a Catholic church, which for a person who has zero connection with this community outside of a really kind roommate in college who is Catholic, the movie Spotlight, uh, and a binge reading of the Da Vinci Code, there's a lot that's new for me on a Sunday. Not least among them are the mystical and mysterious traditions. For example, communion is a whole different thing. When I was a pastor, I used to help break up the public spread before services. Here, the elements are kept in a fancy gold safe-looking thing, and nobody is touching them except for the people that are in robes. Furthermore, I'm not Catholic, so I'm not even allowed to take communion. I cross my arms and am administered the prayer of the heathens. And then there's the mysticism. I'm not sure they call it mysticism, but it's mystical to me. There's just so much chatter about saints, rosaries, confessions, and the like. It's all new to my ears. Yet, surprisingly, I'm not cynical about it or writing it off as my evangelical 90s youth director warned me to do as, quote, they worship many gods, you know. He really said that. I'm intrigued by the mysticism and reminded of an experience I had 
in 2015. I was in India with a group from International Justice Mission. We were learning about the work of this great organization and seeing some of the more important historical sites in Kolkata, a massive city in eastern India. Our group was being led, so I didn't fully know where we were going at any point. All I knew was that today we were going to a place that uh, a place that Mother Teresa was affiliated with. Our little group was expected uh, was expected and led into an unremarkable building by a friendly and quiet nun. She was dressed exactly like Mother Teresa, which I assumed was some kind of cool cosplay or maybe a Disney Jungle Cruise esque flourish. That is how much I didn't know about what was going to happen. As it turns out, we were being ushered into the headquarters of the actual organization that Mother Teresa founded, the Missionaries of Charity. I truly didn't know this. It's shocking to me even when I read it that I didn't know this. We weren't in a museum or a visitor center. We were in an active home where many nuns were still living, working, and going about their calling of caring for the poorest and sickest in the world. After some very softly spoken remarks by the tour sister, she told our group, quote, please come this way, join us. We all kind of swerved into a room that was the size of your average 7-Eleven. It was the biggest room on campus by far, but not at all impressive. We were told that it was the chapel where we were all welcome to pray. There were nuns praying, nuns quietly chatting, and a random man in a pink shirt, a random white man in a pink shirt, that's me, clomping around. There weren't many or any ornate furnishings, just a simple wooden cross, a few small statues and paintings, and a white tomb tucked into the cart and corner. That's where Mother Teresa was. Around her, sisters were kneeling and praying. A very small nun was meticulously arranging flower petals on the lid of the tomb. She was shaping mounds of petals into letters. Letters that were so perfectly aligned and arranged that it was hard to miss the intentionality of the care and the impossibility of her devotion to that task. The letters formed the words, Love until it hurts. As our small group dispersed throughout this chapel, I never moved from the head of the tomb. I was transfixed by the small nun arranging letters on the tomb of another small nun who took up almost no space and all space at the same time. It was then that yet another sister whispered to me, if you want to write a prayer and leave it in this box, mother will pray for you. That lady was so sweet. I didn't hesitate. I knew what I'd write, and I was certain that mother would receive my request. So I wrote the prayer and put it in the box. The sister then handed me a little medallion, not as a thank you or a reward for writing a prayer, but as a true gift, something given to express to me love. The medallion was of Mother Teresa on brand, and it had and it has sat on my nightstand ever since. Someday I'm going to find a jeweler who can ensconce it in something sturdy so I can wear it and keep that encounter with Mother Teresa very close. And that is the memory that I keep flashing back to during my mystical new Catholic Mass experiences. There's a lot I don't understand about what's going on, and the post-church deconstruction version of me can shred those mysteries with callous skill. Furthermore, I can poke holes in my own story of standing at the tomb of the now Saint Teresa. I can tell you why she's not interceding on my behalf, or somehow closer to God, or still very much alive and present even in her death. However, I can also tell you with the same certainty 
that Mother Teresa prayed for me that day. I was in her presence and she cared about me. Those things are true. I wasn't being tricked or brainwashed, and I was even more skeptical then than I am now. But I know that I was a part of a profound moment, and in that there is no doubt in my mind. And that, it seems, might be the mysticism. Knowing that something can't be real, while also being certain of its authenticity. Well, my reading was off. <laughs> Terrible on that. I feel so junky today. Uh, I am so tired. Um, but I, I did want to share that with you because it was just such a profound experience uh, for me. And, you know, I was thinking about what to do for the free skate today. I wanted to talk to a Catholic priest, but couldn't track down a Catholic priest. And I don't know my own priest yet, um, but I couldn't track down a Catholic priest. But I did want to share a little bit in this second section. By the way, if you're new, second section is kind of a free skate section where it may last a while. It may last only a few moments like it will today. But I wanted to share another couple of little moments that happened in that trip that weren't right for the, not not right for the article, but they weren't a part of the article, but also uh, were just incredible. Okay, so here's another thing that happened. So when we were done with that encounter with Mother Teresa, we were then kind of like, not with, we, we, yeah, our whole group was sort of ushered then in. It was like this cool thing how I couldn't really ever tell that we were being led, but we 100% were being led. So we were like kind of ushered into this other sort of meeting, waiting room, and in walks a group of nuns. And I don't know who any of these folks are, but it's a group of nuns, and they sit down, and we all sit in, in like a big circle. And so they're here, and it's sort of like it's sweet and warm and welcoming, and they hand us like little tiny gifts on the way in. And then uh, I realize I know the woman who is sitting up front. Her name is Sister Prima. Sister Prima is the person uh, who I think the second after who took over uh, Mother Teresa's organization. So the person who is in charge now of missionaries of charity, like the direct person, the direct line to Mother Teresa is sitting there in the front of the room. And we all kind of realized and sort of whispered to each other, like, hey, we're with royalty, <laughs> right? Because, of course, there's no, like, PowerPoint slide behind them that introduces it. There is such a lack of ego. In fact, I think Sister Prima had stopped scrubbing the floor outside to come in and meet with us. Like, there was such a lack of ego that was, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't possible for us to know who she was. There weren't even name tags. Anyhow, so we go in. So it's Sister Prima and a bunch of other nuns, and then they said the best thing ever, which was, um, I because I expect them to say, like, how can we pray for you? And, you know, we told, they said, like, are there things that we can be praying for? And so we told them about some of the work of International Justice Mission and some things that were going on personally. Um, and she said, well, in the time that was normally, like, us going and praying now, like, I just assumed she'd lead. Like, she's, like, a very famous person. There's, like, pictures of her walking around with the Pope, Right. She said, will you please pray for us? To which we all kind of looked around, and I think me and another friend, Joe, and a few folks, we sat there and prayed. The sisters, the nuns never prayed. And so we prayed for them and all of the stuff that they had mentioned, which, by the way, prayer pressure. You know how sometimes you don't remember what somebody asked for? I'm like, holy crap, did we remember what these nuns asked us to pray for? But I think between all of us, we did. We prayed. We prayed for the stuff we brought. And then they just like said, thank you. And then we up and left. So they never prayed for us. We prayed for them. And then they gave us a tour of the finish of the tour. Um, and they showed us Mother Teresa's room, which here's a crazy thing about her room. 
First of all, it is the size of your average walk-in closet. Like it is very small, like tiny bed. I mean, she's a tiny woman, but like it's smaller than a twin bed, like little tiny bed, single closet, still one of her garments just hanging up there. Crazy thing is, as she passed away, they took her out of that room, closed the door, never opened the door again. They just put glass on it. That's what they told us that basically the room has been untouched um, because they just knew how important she was. Speaking of which, my other favorite thing that I learned was that I always thought mother was a title, like like Pope. Turns out mother is not a title. The person that follows Mother Teresa is not like Mother Prima. That's Sister Prima, right? There's other names. Mother was just a term of endearment. It's because she was so special that they called her mother. And so all around the... Uh, like our tour, they called her mother the whole time. They never called her mother Teresa. And you see in my article, there are a few times where I kind of just called her mother because by the end of the tour, everybody was just saying mother, 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 right? So we called her mother. And I always thought it was such a beautiful thing, but we saw her room where mother slept. Um, and then we were like ushered away. So that was the crazy story of being there. We got to see and pray by her tomb. And then we got to pray for <laughs> Uh, the other, the nuns that were there doing the work and then got to see her room and then we were out and back onto the rest of the IJM tour. So it was a pretty profound experience. I'll put up a few pictures on the newsletter. Um, I guess it's the end of the show. If you haven't, uh, if you didn't know, uh, this is, starts out as a newsletter. There is no stuttering and stammering in the newsletter. I write it very clearly and Jimmy edits it. Uncle Jimmy edits it. So you can go over and check out the newsletter. Just go to eddiecoffolds.com. It's right there at the beginning. I would love for you, uh, one of two ways you could support the show would be to submit to, submit, Lord, would be to subscribe to the newsletter. <laughs> uh, and also to submit your reviews to wherever you listen to podcasts. Those stars and reviews are super helpful. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks, Uncle Jimmy, for editing. Thank you for listening. And uh, thanks again for your patience. Sorry I got sick. Good to see you. I'll be back next Thursday. Unless, of course, I don't know if a COVID shot fails or something, but come on. No bad vibes. All right. Have a good rest of the week. I'll see you next week on Doing the Best We Can.